The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, Philly, to your favorite sports show. Hosted by Jesse Town and Sam Wilson. They're smart. They're sexy, and they're all Philly. So thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome into episode number 59 of Babes on Broad. I'm Sam Wilson with my co-host, Jesse Town, and we're the Babes on Broad, brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. It feels like we haven't talked to anybody in a little forever, while. because so much was going on, and we couldn't, as much as we wanted to break down and do, like, kind of a who we want kind of situation, things, news was coming out 24-7, and we're a pre-recorded podcast, so by the time we release an episode, something new would happen, or our candidate would be out, or... We couldn't risk it, so it made no sense. So we just waited it out, and now they got most of their coaching positions filled. There's still a few spots left. But with that being said, obviously, I just said it, the moves have been made by the Eagles front office, so let's get right into the people they did hire. Offense, starting there. because the So it looked like they were maybe considering a defensive guy for head coach, um, but they – Sorry. Yeah. I was just, they they inter- they they got a late start to it, you know, as they always do. They they you know take forever and they make decisions too late. So, um, you know, they said you know Doug Peterson seemed like he was going to stay. Then a week later, they fired Doug Peterson. But all the other teams that needed head coaches had already gotten into these searches. So, um, you know, some some of the bigger names out there were already kind of in final stages, I guess, with other teams. So the Eagles already had, you know, one of the least desirable, if not the most least desirable job, you know. Them in Houston. Yeah, them and the Texans, uh, you know, pick your poison, honestly, with with what's going on in both spots. So, um, you know, they they kind of got some of those interviews out of the way early, but I, I don't know how much of a chance they really had at any of those guys. Um, so they ended up going with Nick Sirianni, was with the Colts for the last three years. He spent five years with the Chargers before that. Um, and then where he was also with um, Frank Reich. And um, then three years with the Chiefs before that. I mean, so he's 39, young offensive mind. 
um, former quarterback and wide receiver coach. Uh, you know, a lot of the emphasis that they've put on these offensive hires so far have been from the quarterback and wide receiver perspective, which is obviously two large pain points for the Eagles at this point. Um, and, you know, a, a big pro with him is, you know, his energy. Uh, you know, apparently he talked to a couple players and after meeting with the players, you know, really like his energy. He demands hard work. Um, you know, apparently very focused on the wide receiver position. Um, and Colts fans are not happy that they're losing him. So that's a, a good that is sign. A good sign yeah. um, and then, you know, the comparison is to, you know, Kevin Stefanski with the Browns. And he's, he's done, you know, wonders with the Browns organization and really helped Baker Mayfield kind of improve. And obviously, you know, they went on, they, they made it to the playoffs for the first time. Yeah, thing that many so. head coaches were unable to do for years. Right. So it's not a bad comparison at all. My thing, though, I mean, I kind of would get into this later, but I'm just going to say it now because it goes with it. But I love his energy, and that's one thing that came out Mm -hmm. with him. But some of the cons, like my one con with him, is he doesn't have much play calling experience. And that's like my one thing I don't really understand why go with Nick Sirianni instead of – because at least from what I saw, it was – Eric Bieniemy was my number one, and that was most of the criticism. Besides being under the Andy Reid tree, that he wasn't the actual play caller or the main play caller, because obviously Andy Reid's there. But I don't understand. So if Nick Sirianni wasn't the main play caller with the Colts, why would you choose somebody in a similar situation with a similar job with their offense? Why would you choose the Colts one instead of the Kansas City one? You know what I'm saying? Um, my only thought would be that he was still very involved in the game planning. So he essentially did in Indianapolis what Frank Reich did here. So he was doing the game planning and had a big input in that and a big hand in what they did on Sundays. And I guess the thought process is, I, I, you know, I, I think, we don't outright know what's going to happen with Carson Wentz. He still hasn't said anything. We don't mm-hmm. know if he's going to request a trade. We don't know. But from the outside looking in, at this point, it looks like they are putting – they're making these decisions and they're making these hires with the thought of fixing Carson Wentz in mind and getting him back to that 2017 Wentz. How do you do that? If you can't bring Frank Reich back, I guess this guy's the next closest thing. Yeah, bring back a guy that he's easily, raved about. Right. And and he can easily, you know, call Frank and say, all right, what would you suggest? How do I do yeah. this? What's the best way to go with this? Like, so so I think Frank can kind of give him some some pointers, some tips. And I think regardless of play calling, he still had a really big hand in designing the game plan. So I think that might be the thought process there. Um, I, I still can't figure out why Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a job. But I will say my thought process would be I honestly almost didn't want Eric Bieniemy as the head coach because I think the Eagles are still such a mess. And with the, the leaks from the front office, the reports left and right, the obvious disrespect that's coming from the front office that multiple players who have left have, have mentioned Malcolm Jenkins, obviously, you know, Orlando Scandrick called Howie a weasel, which we see. (laughs) Um, I didn't necessarily want Eric Bieniemy to, I, you know, 
I am I, I'm a huge fan of the diversity hire, and I think that that's yeah. a huge problem in the NFL um, that needs to be addressed. Clearly, uh, I mean, there's there's no excuse for him to not have a head coaching job anywhere. But because the Eagles are such a mess, I did not want that for him. That crossed, there could be a scapegoat situation in another three years, and I didn't want Eric Bieniemy to be that scapegoat. So I was just going to say that crossed my mind, kind of Nick Sirianni being brought in over Eric Bieniemy, kind of like a Brett Brown situation. He's a great players guy. The players will rally around him. He's got a great energy. So he's more of a building guy. Mm -hmm. If they don't get to where they want, he's an easy kind of scapegoat, like you said, which was what Brett Brown was. He did a great job building this team up and everything. And then eventually wasn't the guy to take over the team that he built up. And that's kind of exactly what you're saying with the enemy. So I, that did cross my mind as well. But, um, and that just into the narrative of, diversity coaches in the NFL that haven't been successful. And I don't, I, I know part of me wants the Eagles to be a part of that narrative in a negative way, because it's not the case. And Eric Bieniemy should have a job in the NFL, but personally, because of where the Eagles are as an organization from the top down, I, I, I don't want, I don't want that home run hire. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so one of the other cons we have about this hire isn't really specified to anybody. And this could be another reason why they didn't go with the enemy. And it's for the fact that maybe they want that younger guy who won't speak up and won't go against Howie Roseman because yeah, that's the thing is, I mean, he, you already said it. Um, Sirianni's focused on the wide receiver position and that's awesome. But how much, of that control is he going to have like does it matter if Howie steps in and said this guy's going to be playing over this guy you know what I mean so that could also play into it for the fact that they didn't go with the enemy yeah I just I think that there's definitely part of them that really does just kind of want a yes man and whether they think that he will be a yes man or whether he won't be I don't know but you know we still don't know what how much autonomy anybody that they bring in is going to have so I just think that, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I, you know, give a, give a first time head coach a, a chance. Fine. You know, a player's guy. Great. A younger guy. Great. I, all, I, I stand by, like, I almost didn't want that home run higher because I just think that regardless of how good or bad they are, in three years, we're going to be having the same conversation that we were having at the end of the season with Doug Peterson. And I think, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, get into this later in my opinion, but like, I think the fact that, you know, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl three years ago and feels the need to take a year off from coaching says a lot about where the Eagles are as an organization. Um, No, I agree with you on that fact. My personal opinion of it is always go for the best candidate. But like we said, we don't know what's going on with this front office, how appealing it even would have been to him and all that stuff that goes into it. So I'm just hoping I do like Sirianni. He's not my top choice, but I like him. I like the fit. I like the qualities he's bringing. And I'm just hoping they made the hire more out of a young guy, good energy team will rally around him and Carson kind of base for that hire you know what I mean yeah instead of just a he'll listen to us hire. But I think it's I think it's you know it says a lot that we're not confident in that and I don't think anybody's confident in that and I think that's what's what's concerning I mean this is a you know it really is an unappealing job and anybody that wants to argue otherwise is wrong like no a hundred percent 
people want to say, oh, there's only 32 head coaching jobs in the NFL. Somebody's going to want it. It's like, yeah, but when you're seeing what's going on here, like who wants to set themselves up for that? And that's the thing. When, when you want a head coach, you want somebody with that confidence, with the knowledge, somebody that's going to be a great head coach and knows that they're going to be a great head coach. You know what I mean? You want the experience. It's straight up a toxic work environment. Well, and that's the thing, how somebody who actually has all that and knows how good they are and has that confidence, why would they want I mean, obviously they're going to be wanted by multiple teams. Why would they choose to come to Philadelphia and put themselves in that toxic environment rather than take another job or apply somewhere else or go somewhere else and be an offensive coordinator and wait it out kind of situation? Right. And I think that any argument about, like, so it, it got to the point where I was like, okay, anybody that's not Josh McDaniels, I'll be happy with. That's where I got to. I didn't want Josh McDaniels to be the head coach of the Yeah, that was the one candidate or person that they were talking to. I absolutely didn't want either. Absolutely did not want. Other than that, I was pretty indifferent. Like, I didn't want Josh McDaniels. I, you know, the dream hire, of course, would be Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, that was my dream guy. I'm the same boat. That was my number one. McDaniels was my last in between. I was like, okay, whatever. I did like Robert, um, how do you say last name? Sally? Yeah. but, But again, the Jets job is way more... In, intriguing and way more exciting than the Philadelphia Eagles job. And that's it is. Sad. sad. Well, because they don't have as much drama within the front office. There's no drama. Yeah. They and, just yeah, exactly. But man. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I also think that they brought in a lot of um, defensive minded head coaches when they were doing that. I thought it was all just a ploy. To, for them to be like, see, we really did bring in and consider everybody. But everybody knew the Eagles were going to take an offensive-minded head coach, which obviously right now isn't bad considering the Carson. I just think the Eagles front off is slimy. And oh, 100%, Jess. That will never change unless they get sold and fired. Yeah. So, okay, all right. So they also had to bring in an offensive coordinator because last year they had six of them. Um, yeah. So uh, they brought in Shane Steichen. Um, it came down to him and the running back coach in Denver, Curtis Modkins. Um, Steichen was with the Chargers in 2020, um, was their interim OC in 2019 as well. He's been with the Chargers since 2014. So he, they all coached together. So Nick Sirianni, Frank Reich, and yep. Shane Steichen were all there together. So they, again, kind of, you know, if they can't send Carson to the Colts where he might have the most success, they're kind of trying to bring Frank Reich and the Colts to Carson as best they can. Um, He spent some time in a couple other different places, but he was the play caller for the Chargers offense. Justin Herbert had a great rookie year, you know, over 4,000 yards, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, a 98.3 passer rating, um, seventh in passing, 15th overall. Now I will say the concern there is Chargers fans were pretty relieved he wouldn't come back. And 99% of the people you ask and what I have seen so far, they attribute Herbert's progression over the season to their quarterback coach, Pep Hamilton, and not at all to Shane Steichen. So that's concerning to me. I've seen that argument, but to me, I, it makes me curious. How can you, I mean, obviously, a quarterback coach, that's his job. He's going to influence the quarterback. But how could you attribute 
all of the offensive production and all of his the quarterback's production specifically to just the quarterback coach. Like to me, it's still telling for an offensive coordinator, especially since he's the main play caller. Okay. Well. Okay. Well, I'll ask. I'll ask you this way. Obviously, Doug's play calling we had issues with. But what did we ultimately attribute a lot of it to? Carson Wentz's lack of progression, lack of growth, and some of his mechanics that were still a big issue. And there's a quarterbacks coach is not returning. And there's a reason why we talked about Press Taylor so much and that, you know, but, but, but here, right. Okay. So here's what we also talked about. Good quarterbacks and sound quarterbacks can overcome bad play calling. But if their other stuff isn't there and they're not growing in terms of mechanics, their, their own issues, you know, going through their reads, different things like that, that is on the quarterback's coach and working on working through that kind of thing. The play calling is, you know, worrying about everything else. He's now guys like, you know, Keenan Allen out there make, you know, helping him make plays. Who do the Eagles have? (laughs) No, I mean, that's true. But I think that's kind of a push just for the fact that the Eagles, I mean, they didn't even have an offensive coordinator to, even be there to have questionable for Carson. You know what I mean? You had to, it was either Doug or press. And I think most of the, yeah, obviously we came at press Taylor and obviously he's not back, but neither is Doug. And that was a big criticism criticism about Doug was he didn't build a game plan for their quarterback. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I think you're right in the fact that a good quarterback can overcome play calling and stuff like that. But I mean, I, I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch too much Chargers film this year. <laughs> so I can't come out straight and tell you that he overplayed bad play calling or he had great mechanics and that's the reason why. But I just think that it's kind of a stretch to be like, well, it's all on the quarterback and or quarterback coach and not on the offensive coordinator. And you know what I mean? So yeah. I'm hoping at least. I, in my opinion, I think I would have, I would have just liked someone I, I agree. He's not my top choice. And we both had the same top choice I saw from just what you put down on the notes. Yeah. But I don't think he's the worst that they could have done, obviously. Sure. But I don't think he's the worst they could have done. Um, I wish it would have been someone more like a Jim Caldwell, mm-hmm. who has much more experience. And I think just knowledge, I think, in general, the, res- the respect yeah. factor is a little bit better there. I think Jim Caldwell would have fit better. Just purely for the reason, I mean, even though Shane Steichen might fit well because of their prior, him and Sirianni's prior work experience together and stuff, but Jim Caldwell, I think, would have brought in that difference of opinion where he's not just going to agree with everything he says and it's going to make him think twice and it'd be more of like a partnership instead of like a yes man kind of follow the leader kind of thing. Yeah. And I think he also would have brought that experience because of the fact that we have such a young coaching staff now, which obviously they're trying to rebuild the team. So I guess that's why they're leaning towards the younger guys. But Jim Caldwell would have been that like sound reasoning, like that yeah. wise man to come in and be like, hey, young guy, this is what you might want to think about when you're being a head coach for your first time. Yeah. And I think that would have been really good for, for Carson Wentz. I think it would have been good for the offense. Yeah. It would have been good for Nick Sirianni as a first time head coach. I, I totally But agree. also, even though he was our top choice, Jim Caldwell, he's getting old. He probably was – it's very possible he could have been like, hey, 
I am not even interested. I'm not putting myself through that stress. You are not wrong. So yeah. And then the other new new guy they have so far, pass game coordinator Kevin Patullo. Um, another young guy, 39 years old, was most recently the pass game specialist with the Colts. So you know, another wide receiver, quarterback, focused guy. Um, you know, Frank Reich has credited him his RPO knowledge in the past. You know, due to his college coaching experiences. So you know, he was with Texas A&M for a while. He's with the Jets. He's with the Titans. Yeah. Bill. He's been with the Chiefs. He's kind of been all over a little bit. Um, so so you know, we'll we'll see what happens there if they actually put. Yeah. Them. So here's the thing, and I think this is something that I thought was really interesting that we talked with Nick Ertz about was the lack of separation and lack of production from wide receivers that the Kansas City Chiefs had when Doug Peterson was the offensive coordinator and then obviously what the Eagles have done. I would love to just, you know, see something different in terms of, you know, having separation. That'd be a freaking miracle. Um, mm -hmm. And then they obviously kept Jeff Stoutland. It was questionable if he was going to be back or not just because he was thinking about, uh, you know, Alabama had the offensive line yeah. open. Um, but Doug Marone's going down there. So Jeff Stoutland's staying, which is great. Um, he's been with the Eagles for this will be his eighth season with the Eagles, which is phenomenal with all of those those new guys in here. And so keeping Jeff Stoutland, adding Kevin Matulo, Shane Steichen is the offensive coordinator and new head coach Nick Sirianni. What are your thoughts and what are your concerns on the offense? So, obviously, when you have a new coaching staff like this, besides Jeff Stoutland, um, but having primarily all new coaching staff. You don't want to just shut it down right away because obviously they have prior experience together, a lot of these guys. So like maybe they do think that they're going to work well together and maybe the Eagles think they're going to – obviously something was a reason that they all came together. So I want to give them the positivity and the benefit of the doubt on that fact. My only thing is obviously I've said it. Eric Bieniemy was my number one option for that. Jim Caldwell was my number one option for the offensive coordinator. Who knows if they even wanted the job, but that's what my kind of dream matchup there would have been. My concern about this coaching staff is the fact that, one, you said the Chargers weren't too upset about, or Chargers fans weren't too upset about losing Steichen. And he's the only one that we have with prior play calling responsibilities, like full play calling yeah. responsibilities. So that is my kind of biggest fear. It might be PTSD from Doug. I don't know. But we'll see how it goes. I'm hoping, obviously, everything works out. And I'm hoping that this is on the rise of the rebuild right away. And I hope this is going to set us up for something decent. But I don't know. It's not what I would have done. It's not the worst that they could have done. So I would rate it like a 70. Give it a C plus. Okay. Fair actually. enough. So that'd be like a 78. Yeah, I mean, like, so at this point, I, I guess it looks like, you know, they're bringing in people with Carson Wentz as the focus, which I think is... The, I do like that, yes. Um, now, that's not to say that Carson might not call them and be like, I want to trade anyway. Let, get, let yeah. me, like, let me go. Um, so we'll see. I, I mean, people that work with Frank Reich and are more similar to Frank Reich and his style of offense could be really beneficial for Carson, obviously. I think... Um, you know, uh, one of the, the, you know, the current story, the current thing is that, you know, Carson, you know, is unsure about, about the Eagles right now. And I don't think that's a, a, a kind of, you know, he's been betrayed by yeah. the organization in, in that's several different ways. And I think, I think I tweeted this yesterday, but you know, I really do kind of, you know, liken it to like a once a cheater, always a cheater kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, 
you know, if you're, if you're dating someone and they, and they cheat on you, you know, if you have all this trust in them and they cheat on you, you're hurt, you're upset, you don't really know how to feel. And regardless of how they kind of try to fix it or, you know, make everything okay, trust is hard to be rebuilt. Yeah. What's to and say that Howie Roseman isn't like, see, we got the best head coach we could that fits you. We got an offensive coordinator that fits you. We got a new quarterback coach that fits you. We did all this for you. What is to stop him from just, you know, cheating on him again? You know, like well, just, and that goes exactly back to loyalty. Yeah. And we've seen Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman say one thing and completely turn their back on multiple different people. They've also done it with Doug and Carson. They right. said that Carson was their team leader and then done nothing to prove it. And they've said that Doug was their guy and then fired him. So, right. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of guys that they brought in, obviously, you know, all these guys are either former quarterbacks or wide receivers or, you know, have our, our quarterbacks coaches and wide receiver coaches and are, are very involved in those two, again, biggest pain points for the Eagles offense at this point. Um, have a lot of connections to coaching that position, which is great. And, you know, you, you want, you need a new face, you need a new voice and, and, you know, maybe that's what they'll get. That's what you like to see. But again, how much will they, how much autonomy will they have? Will they be able to make decisions? Will they be able to make roster decisions? Will they be able to make who dresses on game day decisions? Will they be able to make snap count allotment decisions? Ugh. Or are they all just going to be big yes men for the front office because they're all, you know, younger guys, first time head coach, like that's worst case scenario. <laughs> you no. Know? And, and I do not have confidence in this front office and what they're doing at this point, not even remotely, not a little bit. I, you know, do I have confidence in the kind of talent that we do have on this roster in, in spots? Yes. Do I have confidence in the way that the front office and management has run this organization over the last two to, you know, two to three years? No. And I think the talent on this team has masked it a lot. And I think 2020, everything kind of came to a head and it was a big mess. Large. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the defensive hires, what's going on on the defensive side of the ball. You're listening to the Babes on Broad on BGN Radio. Welcome back into episode number 59 of Babes on Broad. So we took you through the offensive hires so far, we'll say. And then now we're getting into some of the defensive hires that they've gone through. So obviously, Jim Schwartz, our former defensive coordinator, decided to take a year off after all the stress that he's been put through here in Philadelphia. Do not blame him. Okay. So the Eagles just recently hired 38-year-old Jonathan Gannon. The good thing about Gannon is, well, one of the good things about Gannon is he also interviewed for the Chargers and the Bears defensive coordinator position. So at least he was sought after. Um, he was most previously the Colts D-back and cornerback coach since 2018 so last two three seasons and then um <laughs> I think three and then um prior to that he was the Vikings assistant D-backs coach Titans defensive assistant um Rams scout and then he before that in 2007 the Fal Falcons defensive assistant and then he was a Louisville grad assistant all the way back in 2006. So the pro to me about Jonathan Gannon come into Philadelphia is how 
poor our development is in our secondary. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I mean, assuming that's probably what went into it for the Eagles is trying to get help on there and a guy that really specializes in that. So I like that. Um, He also has contributed to the Colts defense that ranked seventh overall last year. They also ranked seventh overall in points allowed per game. Obviously he was a big part of that being their D back and cornerback coach. Um, The Colts GM, Chris Ballard credited Gannon for Xavier Rhodes redemption after leaving the Vikings, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, And then supposedly he was a big key in the development of rock. Yassin, Kenny Moore, um, Kari Willis and Julian Blackman. So he's got some good credited credits behind him. I just, I mean, like, at the end of the day, he's not that higher that makes you go, yeah, we got him. I agree with you on that. Yeah, I'm just by far, he's not that. All of these hires, I'm just really kind of like, all right, let's see. Like, I, I just, I'm very hundred percent right, and I'm just kind of like, okay. But then I still have my my gripes with things like, you know, we still have to build an actual roster first, and I think that's kind of where my issues are, and that like. You know, Rodney McLeod's coming off an ACL tear. Okay. Avante Maddox was bad this year. We've got Darius Slay. Woohoo. Um, you know, Kayvon Wallace, there was a, you know, as excited as I am about, you know, what he could potentially bring, there was still a better option there. At, you know, 53, they could have drafted Jeremy Chin instead of yeah. Jalen Hurts, but they didn't. And I just think that, you know, it's not, it's, it's great that he is the guy who, you know, helped Xavier Rhodes have a redemption season. It's great that he was a big component in the development of Rocky Sin, Kenny Moore, Julian Blackman. Like, that's fantastic, but you actually have to get talent in here first. And he's not a magician. He can't just, like, pull talent from where it doesn't exist. No, and I agree with you 100% on the feeling of it all there. None of these guys are like celebratory. Yeah, we got the guy kind of hires and it's worrisome because I feel like we're trying to talk ourselves into it, but there's also so much unknown. Like you would have to, in my mind, I want to think that the Eagles in all these interviews are telling these guys that they will actually take into consideration their thoughts and opinions for scouting when it comes to the draft and free agency, because that is, even on the offensive side of the ball, there's so many specialty coaches that they're pulling in like Jonathan Gannon, who's been a secondaries coach his whole career and has specialized in that. And now you're making him your defensive coordinator. So you would have to think that Howie Roseman is like, he'd be stupid not to value their opinion when it comes to guys coming out of the draft. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they already should have a say in it because they're defensive coordinators and head coaches and offensive coordinators, but he is stupid. We've seen it. Look, I know. Like, look You're at right. He is. And, it, and regardless if he wants to tell them, like, yeah, you take this job, you will have an opinion. I will listen to your opinion. Well, that doesn't mean he has to go with it. He's, he's lying. Yeah. Telling them lies. Like, that's ultimately what it comes down to. He's going to lie. He has lied. He continues to lie. And so does the rest of the organization. And then they fire anybody that doesn't go along with what they want. And that's the thing, Jess. It makes me so sad about this because even if these were 
great hires. I mean, other than obviously out of the ballpark hires, obviously we'd have to celebrate that. But I feel like almost anybody that came in, you're just going to be like, okay, cool. Because the main problem for the past couple of years is still there. So really exactly what you've been saying, none of these people, yeah, they might look good on paper. We're going to find things that look good and we're going to have optimism about them. But it really means nothing if it's just Howie having the say at the end of the day. None of these guys really mean anything. They're just puppets. Look look directly at the Phillies. It tells you everything. There was not one person, at least I hadn't talked to one person, that wasn't over the moon, overjoyed at the hire of Joe Girardi. That was a fantastic yep. hire. He was the best option on the market. He's one of the best managers in the last in baseball in the last 20 years. Hundred like no questions asked. Yeah, in our right? age group kind of. He was the best option and I would fire Gabe Kapler 10 out of 10 times for Joe Girardi. Even though he didn't deserve the fire, but sure. you're right. But again he definitely is not as Joe good Girardi as Joe Girardi. There, 10 out of 10 times I'm firing yep. Gabe Kapler. Yep. But they kept the GM and look what happened. Nothing changed. Nothing so changed. You're gonna change by oh, keeping your GM and, and hiring and you know hiring a new head coach, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator that are Eh. you know, like, what do you think is like, yes, I feel like our mood managers in baseball and our mood, this entire show, as we go through this, obviously I feel like it's coming across. We're not excited because of that underlying reason. And I feel like that's how majority of Philadelphia is right now. Right. How could you like, everybody hates Howie Roseman. Everybody knows everything ties back to Howie Roseman. And it's insulting He's still there. that they think that we're just going to buy into this crap. Like, it's, ins- it's insulting. I am insulted as an Eagles fan that the organization thinks we're all a bunch of idiots that can't see everything that's going on. I mean, it, like, it, it tells you a lot about what's going on with them that, the, that you know, the Eagles lost, have, have lost 11 coaches this year so far. Obviously, they fired yeah. Peterson. Deuce Staley is like, bye. And I don't blame him one bit. Well, yeah, no, he's just been disrespected. Press Taylor's done. You know, Jim Schwartz is taking the year off. They, you know, Dave because Pettis- he's been through so much. But like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, so they have all of these new coaches coming in. They have a new defensive line coach. You know, but again, it's another, eh, you know, Tracy Rocker. I mean, like, he. I he, mean, and he has, yeah, he has a great rap sheet. Like yeah. he's been coaching since he got, so he was a third round pick by Washington in 1989, but he has been coaching shortly after his career ended. So since 1992, before we were born, Jess, he's been coaching. But the only thing about me, like he has some notable coaches that he's coached like Trent Cole and DeMarcus Ware. But the thing to me that stands out is it's primarily college positions that he's held as a D-line coach. Every coaching job he's had has been as a D-line coach, but um, it's primarily college. And then you'll see an outlier, like in 2011 to 2013, he was the Titans D-line coach. And then, and I believe, yeah, and that was his first NFL job there. But then right after that, I don't know whether he got fired or what back then, but right after that, he went back to coaching college and he's been it with college since then. So he's right. only has one, well, two, three years um, worth of NFL experience. So it, it makes you wonder like how great of a hire is that even though he has all this experience, does he not work well with NFL guys because he's used to these college kids? Like, 
it's just, you don't know much. Right. And I just, I mean, here's the thing. That defensive line is a lot of veterans. So you're not going to be able to treat them like college, like college kids. So yeah. defensively, like, I, I, yeah, I think they needed some new voices. Again, I think they needed some new voices across they the did, board. Yeah. Like, things were just getting very stale in the Eagles mm-hmm. organization. Um, and I think there will be some overhaul on that side of the ball as well. But again, I think a lot of it comes down to drafting. It comes down to the talent they have to go along with the scheme. Like it's not just, you know, the coordinators are not going to change everything. It all works together. And as much as I think some of these hires can provide a little bit of a spark in some aspects, like I think they can, I think a new voice definitely just kind of provides a spark. I mean, obviously you just saw that simply with like Jalen Hurts playing instead of Carson Wentz, like just Mm -hmm. a little bit of a spark, you know, it, it can be there, but ultimately this team still isn't good enough. And without, with the same front office in place, nothing changes. Like, I really do think it says a lot that both Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz were like, you know what? I need a year to breathe after yeah, right? the BS that I've just dealt with with the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, yeah. that says a lot. And, you know, I think that, to be completely honest, all we've said this you know, a million times already. These are all really just, the hires are just eh. And yeah. I do think Tracy Rocker has the – one of the most potentials with the current roster, if things were to stay the same, just for the fact that he's has so much D line experience, he's older and that the D line had the most talent that didn't put out what they were supposed to last year. So they do technically have the talent there on paper. And we just saw none, not a lot of it last year. So maybe I think they do just from, I mean, look at Hargrave and Jackson and their prior, um, their prior experience, you know what I mean? Like their prior records lines, and all that. The most talented group on paper. But I also think that I think they didn't put out. And that's what I'm trying to say is the fact that they didn't do what they were supposed to. So I think Tracy Rocker has the best setup coming in if nothing were to change because he should have the most talent to work with. But that goes back to us saying he's got the college experience. So I don't know how well he will work with that talent. And in my opinion, I don't think they could have done any better than any of these hires because I don't think anybody better would have wanted these jobs. They weren't an appealing job. And so I not wrong think that. that these are eh hires because this is the best that they could do. Because it's in and an eh organization. <laughs> and because they've got a lot of issues still and like, you know, they still, right. still have so many issues. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I think, you know, I think eh. And I think we'll see what happens. And I think a lot of it has, is going to come down to the draft. I think a lot of it's going to come down to what they do in free agency. And those are things that we'll cover in our, our next episodes. But I think I don't, none of these excite me. None of these have me jumping out of my chair. But, again, you know, the Doug Peterson hire didn't really excite anybody either. But we'll see. They had a lot more to work with at that period of time. There was a lot more. There, there was, there were some good feelings around the organization then, you know, like they were, yeah. they, we had some, we had some good vibes going on, but I got nobody it. trusts this organization. They completely lost the fan base. Yeah. And Jeffrey Lurie just let it really go down the drain when he kept Howie Roseman. Yeah. And obviously I don't think anybody should feel excited and they shouldn't expect us to because prove it to us, show us, and maybe you'll gain us back. But I don't know how much they're going to be able to do right now. Yeah. But yeah. with that being said, because we're so negative right now, we try to find the positivity and that, I mean, 
says a lot that we're trying to find the positivity and this is still the tone of our show, but we're trying, we're trying. And we'll, we'll, there is. Yeah. And we'll never cast anybody off before they even get a chance. But. No, I'm, I'm excited to see what they bring, but I'm not, I, I you excited know, I'm not about a, what's this upcoming season and what's in store. Yeah. I'm, I'm mentally preparing to be yeah. you know, not happy, but I, I just think, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I've talked myself into it because it's not Josh McDaniels. Let's start there. Yeah, um, you know, it's the, I think it's the best that they could do. I'm excited to kind of see what they bring, but the hires themselves just don't excite me. And it's yeah. unfortunate that we're here, but we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about what's going on around Philly because those are some positive things. That's some positive. Some positive. <laughs> I can't wait. You're listening to the Babes on Broad on BGN Radio. Welcome back in to episode number 59 of Babes on Broad. So we took you through the new coaching hires. We kind of had a sour energy yeah. vibe to us. I'm sorry about it. We tried to be positive. We tried, but I got nothing now left. Now we're about to get super positive when we talk about what's happening around Philly because the rest of the teams have me singing out of joy because JT Real Muto is back. When Sam starts singing, that's how you know it's a good day. Yes. Five J years, 115 mil. JT Real Muto is staying in Philadelphia. I'm so happy. I'm so, so, you so happy. And all of our listeners and all of our Twitter people, you guys all know my feelings because I, we, I've done on the prior shows. I've gone off on this Phillies organization, quite similar to the Eagles organization, but they did the right thing now and got rid of Clintac, at least from that position. But back to JT Real Muto, I was super nervous that they weren't going to go to him just because they're cheap skates. They're kind of slime balls, but they did give themselves an out there by bringing JT Real Muto back. And I'm super excited about it because it would have been idiotic, not just for the reason, one, that he was your most productive player on both sides of the wall last year. Mm -hmm. Why would you not bring him back? Yep. And two, you gave up Sixto Sanchez, who was your highest prospect yes. in – well, I should say highest pitching prospect at the time, and is already a huge, huge asset to the Marlins. Yes. So you would have looked idiotic to give away that value for, what, a year or two of JT Romuto? Yes. It would have been idiotic. So they needed to do this, and I'm still pissed that they even just drew it out this long. But I thankfully, JT's happy. It has screwed them in other situations, I think. Like, they put yeah. so much into this and I don't even know if they did like I don't know if they were just like sitting on their hands or like what was going on the whole time you know they're not the they're not the eagles so leaks aren't happening left and right um but so very very happy about this obviously they you know started to add some to their bullpen with Archie Bradley you know a a, a great signing love it wonderful but now like they like don't really have a shortstop and they're like kind of screwed and not picking up well, Dede's player option the good thing the good thing about that is it does look like dd is going to end up back here anyway just because all the other shortstops off the board are going to the teams that need shortstops so um dd most likely will end up back here as long as they can agree on something but who knows if he's going to want to because of maybe they left a sour taste i would love for him to come back because he had a really good oh, yeah me too he had a down year in 2019 i'm sure i'm trying to make sure i know what year to which he had like a little bit of a down year in 2019 and he had a great year here last year. And I think, yeah, they, well, he was injured in 2019 too. Right. He had, he was, dealing so with he's still coming off of that. 
And, and I, I would love another year of Didi while they, you know, wait for somebody like a Bryson Stott to start to develop yeah. a little bit more. And, and I agree a hundred percent. And also Didi's done great in what he's ex- like needed to do. So He's I think it would last year for sure for the, film. yeah. And I think exactly what you said, he would be the perfect kind of holdover piece to hold down shortstop until they can get some of their farm system people to move up. Yeah. So hopefully DD falls back. They still need some more pitching rotation and bullpen help just because they're not strong there by any means. So okay. like that would never hurt, but we'll see because I mean, pitchers and catchers report in like two weeks, three weeks, I should say, but. Can't At wait. least that's the say of it, because actually, I don't know what's going to happen now. There's talks about um, Arizona not wanting to start right then for their spring training. So if they don't start spring training, I'm assuming Florida State League won't start either. So we'll see. Well, I mean, like Arizona's not doing well with COVID. No, they're the number one. They're, they're, they're the number one hotspot. Yeah, LA's starting to come out on the opposite end of it, and now Arizona's really struggling. So uh, who the heck knows? Right. But collectively, it's nice to have things that aren't the Philadelphia Eagles to watch again and don't make me as sad as the Philadelphia Eagles did. Yeah, because even in our down parts, like the Phillies, they could improve in other areas, but they're still already made great improvements, and they'll be better than they were last year. Sixers, obviously, tremendous potential with them. And Flyers, same thing. So much potential, and it's exciting. Yeah, so at least we have something exciting to do. (laughs) <laughs> we will continue on throughout the offseason talking about the different areas, the different free agents, um, what the Eagles can do on, on different positions, things like that. And then leading up to the draft, we'll talk about things like the draft, the players coming out, what we think the Eagles will do and as it gets closer and you know what makes the most sense for them. So maybe we should do a funny thing about some of these mock drafts that we keep seeing. Yeah, we'll just go through the mock drafts and see what we think. And maybe like we'll do the one that came out yesterday that has the Eagles picking at six a tight end I mean it is Kyle Pitts and I understand that he is like a receiver but taking Kyle Pitts at six when none of the other receivers are off the board that's asinine and when we already I mean I know we have new coaches but we already struggled using Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard together then we need a tight we not, we need, yeah. we don't need a tight end. We need we need yeah. another receiver because we're going to be losing a couple. I can almost guarantee you. But thank you for listening to episode fifty nine of Babes on Broad. Thank you as always to SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Um, make sure you follow all of our socials to stay updated on when and where you can find Sixers pregame live. We will talk to you next week. More to dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.